Hey, hey, hey! Welcome back to RM Podcast FL. I hope everybody's having a great and a tremendous, fabulous day so far. Happy Tuesday! And yes, you guessed it right, this is your favorite podcaster, Romina, and welcome back to RM Podcast FL. Before we do just uh, go ahead and get started to today's episode. I want to take a moment and thank everybody that has subscribed or reached out to us so far. And if you have not yet shared your favorite episode with your family, friends, coworkers, with your neighbors, with anybody that you really know, just go ahead and do so because this is a fully self-funded uh, podcast and I would love to hear more feedback from my listeners. Every day I hear more and more feedback and I'm always intrigued because I always want to improve myself. So why not? Well, today's episode, it is regarding um, a topic actually that not a lot of us want to talk about. Before I do discover the topic, let's go ahead and just jump into the bio of today's speaker and then you guys, yes, you're going to guess exactly what we're going to talk about. So today's guest is Aaron Irving. He is a shareholder and a practicing attorney of Integrity Law in Jacksonville, Florida. I had the pleasure of hiring Aaron um, years ago when my family needed a representation legally and he was nothing but a pleasure to work for. I had the pleasure to sit back with Aaron and cover a very important topic which I think everybody's going to definitely benefit from. But Aaron attended the Florida State University in Tallahassee here in Florida and while in Tallahassee he worked as a legislative intern for both the Florida Senate and Florida House of Representatives. He is practicing family law, personal injury, probate and estate planning, and record selling and foreclosure defense. This interview will focus mainly on family law and more specifically on the most common contract people sign but do not even know the terms and conditions of. Can you guys guess what I'm talking about? I'm talking about marriage contract. We will talk about what to do and what not to do before and after signing the contract of marriage and also a little tips and tricks of maybe if you want to consider a prenup, it is good, it is bad, depending on your situation. But hopefully this episode will help you better understand the contract and the terms that do come with it. I know myself, I had no idea the terms and conditions of the contract of marriage when I did sign one myself. So this episode was very informative for me, even though I passed through that too. So without losing any time, let's dive right into the today's episode and I hope you guys learned something new. Enjoy! Okay, perfect, guys. So just like I said in the intro, today's guest is Aaron Irving. Hi, sir. How are you Hi, today? Good morning. Wonderful. How are you? I am great. Um, I Happy Tuesday, first yeah, and foremost. That's right. Happy Tuesday. <laughs> One day closer to the weekend. Yes. I, first, I want to thank you for taking your time and accepting my invitation. I know we crossed paths a while back, but I needed a little bit of assistance with my family uh, regarding uh, a lot, regarding some issues that they did have, and you answered right away. And I had a great experience. You were yeah. right there for us. So definitely I look out whenever I'm in Jacksonville area. You as having on top of my mind whenever it comes to an attorney. Well, I appreciate you coming in and, and, and having me. Absolutely. Um, so if you want to talk us a little bit through Young Aaron to Today so the audience have the pleasure of knowing you a little bit better. Young Aaron to Today. Oh, goodness. In hindsight is twenty twenty. The things I know now that I wish I knew back then. <laughs> um, 
I remember doing an interview a long time ago, and, and, and the question was, what, what drove you to be an attorney? Mm -hmm. And I remember being in second grade in elementary school, and um, it was a career day, if you will. And you got to dress up with whatever career you wanted to be. Mm -hmm. and for whatever reason, I dressed up as a lawyer. I wanted to be a lawyer, and I took my mother's briefcase with me to second grade, and she made me little business cards. And just the idea of being a lawyer always fascinated me. Just like, you know, anyone else at that age, they're fascinated by being an astronaut or yeah. being, you know, a scientist or a doctor. Just the idea of a lawyer just fascinated me. Wearing suits, all of that sort of thing. Huh. Um, so I always had it in the back of my mind that that was a career that I was interested in. Mm -hmm. I had other careers I was interested in. Um, but as I got older, I started to get into um, politics. I'm from a political family, and with politics also is the concept of the law. Mm -hmm. um, so again, I was drawn to the law, and an undergraduate at Florida State, I studied politics, worked for the government, um, always with the mindset that I was going to go to law school thereafter. Um, I didn't necessarily uh, envision <clears throat> that I would be doing this particular area of practices that I'm in now, but mm -hmm. I knew I always wanted to be an attorney. So how did you get to the area that you practice right now? Like, what um, pushed you towards this? Originally, you know, when I was an undergraduate before, well before I even went to law school, I wanted to be an environmental attorney. I'm okay. from a, a, a family that was strongly uh, um, or, or heavily involved in the environment and, and protecting the environment. Um, so I think I appreciated what they were doing and I wanted to do that as well. Um, when I went to law school, it was um, before the crash happened, the market crash. And as I was getting out, the economy was starting to flounder. So, um, you know, beggars can't be choosers with the type of field they want to get in. We just need a job. Um, after getting out of law school, I needed to pay bills and student loans and all of that. So I went to work for a firm that did family law. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't there very long uh, before I left and went and I was a contract attorney. And um, that lasted about a year uh, and the economy was much worse at that point. So I opened my own small firm um, and then subsequently merged that practice with Integrity Law, which is where I've been at since. Um, and you know, there's, I got into family law because there's always a need for family law. It's not necessarily the sexiest of areas of practice, but there's always a need. Mm -hmm. I never thought I would be, you know, a divorce attorney or something like that. But once you start doing it, you keep doing it, you get good at it. Um, you realize that, that that's what um, um, your main focus should be because all in all, you're helping people at the end of the day. Can you um, cover some of the most, like, some of the most popular cases that you cover? Is it a family law attorney? Yeah, so I primarily do three areas of practice. Um, family law is a big umbrella, which um, I'll talk about what that umbrella means. But I also do a lot of personal injury, which are uh, auto accidents and slip and falls. I do a lot of probate, so when someone passes away, you have to administer their estate. Um, I do some estate planning. And then I'm probably about 60% family law. Um, there's happy family law, mm -hmm. such as uh, I did an adoption yesterday. Oh, nice. Or name changes. That's something to celebrate. Uh, more often than not, family law has to do with a divorce, um, with or without children, or a paternity action, which is simply when uh, parties aren't married, but they have children together and separate. So 
more often than not, you know, it's the battling over the children, the child support, alimony, dividing up the stuff uh, type situation. And whenever it comes to divorces, because this is kind of an interesting topic, like I feel everybody in, I feel like everybody wants to get married, you know, wants to create that family, they want to sign up for the contract, they don't even know the terms and conditions, which is not, as a divorced person, it's not easy to go through a divorce. Um, mm-hmm. It's mentally, financially, and it's a process. Absolutely. What did you say to those people that do want to get married? Do you, you advise them to have a one-on-one with an attorney to know the law, f- you know, for what they're getting into? Um, you know, it's very easy to get married. It's very difficult to get divorced. I often think it should be the other way around. I think maybe you should have to go through a lot of tests before you decide you could get married. Yeah. Um, you know, I am a, a strong proponent of mental health counseling. So I believe before two people decide to get married or even cohabitate together, regardless if they're going to get married or not, mm-hmm. I think that both parties ought to see their own licensed mental health counselor for their own well-being. And secondarily, I think that they ought then go to a couple's counselor, not because there's something wrong with their relationship, but um, there's a stigma that people only go to couples counseling when something's wrong with their relationship. But I've come to learn that a couples counselor is almost like going to the gym. You're getting to know the other person and you're going to help build skills um, and train yourself as a couple so that you can have a successful relationship. So I don't think people necessarily need to go to lawyers uh, at first, unless you're thinking of a prenup. Um, I strongly encourage them to see a mental health counselor for their own well-being, as well as see one together um, for purposes of um, their relationship. I see. But a lot, yeah, a lot of people have the stigma of if you go to a counselor, something is wrong, you know, something. Like, a lot of people, uh, sometimes especially on the male side too, Mm -hmm. they don't like going there because they feel like they're being trapped to something or they don't like opening about their feelings. Right. A lot of it is the stigma about feelings and whatnot. And I continue to see a therapist for myself because why not? It helps you uh, with all the stressors in life. So I would strongly encourage anyone um, to go see a mental health counselor. Um, It doesn't hurt to go see an attorney. Um, People usually only see us if something is wrong. Um, but it doesn't hurt to be proactive and see an attorney. I um, encourage people to explore the concept of a prenup. Mm-hmm. Uh, prenuptial agreements aren't just for the wealthy. Uh, prenuptial agreements can help streamline the process um, as to you know what you're coming into the marriage with, what your marriage might look like, and I mean, there's a high percentage that marriages um, don't last indefinitely and which is unfortunate but if that is the case the prenup can help streamline that divorce process so um i want to focus a little bit when you said uh, i would advise people to go to counselors i had that stigma before um and since september october last year so it'd be about a year i see uh, a counselor every month wonderful and i would say it's been a great change just to clear out the thoughts and seeing a professional just to like even ask those questions that will trigger your brain to think differently. Mm-hmm. So before I had that idea of like if you see a counselor, something is wrong with you. But then I went to the first one that I went to, I was like, I'll try it. But I definitely would advise everybody to do that because it just it's it's a much like it will help you develop yourself a lot Absolutely. more. 
and not even thinking do it as a couple yeah absolutely and it doesn't hurt to be selfish for an hour it feels good to be selfish for yeah an hour. i mean you're you're the center of attention right. you know everything is focused around you so that even right. if you want that one hour to yourself mm-hmm. it still counts yeah absolutely now, uh, for the divorces, I would have focused a little bit on that, too. I don't... What's the percent rate, rate right now? Like, it's pretty high. It, it's... I want to say it's close to 50%. I, I, I can't recall what the actual number is. We've actually seen a shift in recent years um, to where, you know, we primarily saw years and years ago mostly all divorces mm-hmm. and fewer paternity cases. Okay. And again, for your listeners, paternity cases are when couple has a child or multiple children and they break up Mm -hmm. so we don't have to divide up the marital estate and the stuff because there's no marriage but we still have to divide up your child um so years ago we used to see a lot more divorces and lesser paternity cases now we're seeing that it's almost equal with the amount of divorces that come in this office and the amount of paternity cases what that means to me is a lot of people aren't getting married anymore yeah um, but as far as percentage of failed relationships regardless, I think it's maybe around 50%. I don't know. Um, I know listening to other uh, mental health counselors that um, one told me recently that people are averaging about three marriages throughout their lives. That's kind of scary, though. Because not even thinking the expense part of it, like, because it is an expense to, uh, like, the wedding and getting together and establishing a new house and everything. But even mentally, mm-hmm. like, what does that do to people? Like, three times they thought they found the right one. Right, yeah. Well, I think it has to do with stages in your life. You know, a lot of people get married really young mm-hmm. and they grow and mature and they might just grow apart. And then you have the second marriage when you're in that phase of the life. And then usually the third marriage, from what the counselor told me, is when, you know, um, you're older, much, much, much older, and you're just looking for companionship, if you will. So a lot of it has to do with stages in life. And, you know, there was a stigma. There still is a little bit of a stigma um, uh, about the word divorce today. You know, years ago, people would not get divorced even if they were unhappy because there's a stigma. You just don't get divorced. I don't think that's fair to people. I don't advocate divorce. I mm-hmm. want everyone's marriage to be successful. In fact, one of the first questions I ask in a consultation is, are you sure counseling can't help salvage your marriage? Because if it can, you need to try that first and then come see me. Um, even the court can mm-hmm. force the couple to go to counseling because- They you know, can. One, the problem with the court doing it is the divorce has already been filed and then the judge will force you to go to counseling. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a little bit too late by then because somebody's already filed. But, you know, we don't want to divorce a family if we don't have to, but we're here in case that does happen. You know, it's like um, in medicine, we don't want anyone to have cancer. Yeah. But we're, the doctors are there to treat it when it does happen. When it does happen. So. Would you say, though, like, because the, the divorce rates are so high, would you say maybe because people are trying to win their independency, like, before you had males being more powerful on a relationship, but now it's, like, everybody is trying to gain power, so everybody is, like, independent and is, like, you know what, I can do this myself, I don't need you. Because coming from an Albanian family, where it's a close culture, uh, divorce is a big taboo. So, like, for example, when I got divorced, I got judged for it. But I wasn't happy. A lot of things ha- happened. A lot of things changed, and my mentality had changed. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a divorce. I need to start a new chapter of my life. 
but a lot of people get pushed back because of the culture. Oh, absolutely, and a lot of pushback just in, from your family in general, I'm sure, and from your church. There's some churches that that is an extreme taboo, and they might, you know, kick you out, if you will. Um, each family dynamic is different. Um, that's why, if you're going through a divorce or not or whatnot, that's why a mental health counselor is going to help you make that decision for yourself you will know what to do for yourself moving forward, um, whether or not that's going to be ideal for you. Mm -hmm. And you know what, especially for your children. Uh, I don't think it behooves a family to, well, we stayed married, we're gonna stay married just for the children. I mean, that can have a lot of um, strain on the kids, especially if you're gonna be fighting for all these yeah. kids in front of them. Um, so, um, there's no right or wrong when it comes to should I file or not file or whatnot, and that's not a decision that I can make as a lawyer. People just come to me when they're ready to. What are the most common reasons why people get divorced? I think it has to do with communication, mm -hmm. and effective communication is the key word there. And, you know, because couples can communicate all day long. Fighting is communicating, but it's not effective communication. And you're not going to learn to effectively communicate with probably without maybe seeing a therapist if, if y'all are having issues or to get to know your spouse and how to effectively communicate. Go see a couples counselor. Mm -hmm. um, finances. Money is a big one. It is. Um, money is a huge one because that's a big stressor uh, in, in a family. It's just, Money is a stressor in this American culture anyway. Correct. Um, it can be intimacy issues or whether that's intimacy issues between the couple themselves or people are going outside the marriage, of course. Um, those are primarily the three reasons that we see. Mm -hmm. um, you know, every once in a while, we'll get a divorce to where both people are really on the same page and they still care for the other party. They just know that they both have the mutual decision they need to move on. Are those so. typically, like, as an attorney point of view, the easiest cases, or? Oh, gosh, yes. Those, it, it, it's, you know. <laughs> There's not a lot of back and forth and fighting. Yeah, and even in a lot of these cases where it starts out fighting, uh -huh. a lot of times midway through the process, the couple finally realizes that this is not healthy for themselves or each other or the kids, and you know what? We just need to move on. And I always tell family law clients, divorce or paternity clients, that, there's no winner in this. So don't think you're gonna win something over your spouse or your um, ex. This is a family that's being broken up. So by its very nature, it's a loss for everybody. Mm -hmm. But the goal, I think, in any divorce is that we can reach some sort of resolution without the court forcing it. Reach a resolution amongst the parties so that they can move on comfortably with their lives. But people need to know that this is a loss because a family has been divided. So don't think that there is a winner per se in, in the general sense of the word. I feel like you're just trying to find the best solution for the situation at mm -hmm. the time. Yeah, yeah. And we have a, a um, kind of a policy in this office, or at least it's mine, that, you know, I don't want to drag things out for a client. And mm -hmm. I hope the other party likewise won't do it. Uh, you know, we need to get clients in and out as quick as we can so they don't have to be stuck with me and they can move on with their lives um, and, um, you know, tell better themselves or their, or their relationship with their kids. I see. Have you ever run into a family that filed for divorce and then something might have happened and they decide to stick together? Um, 
it's rare. I've had maybe only about two or three of those in my almost decade of practice. Almost a decade. A, yeah, it's like barely nothing. No, where the one party will file and mm-hmm. the other party is responding to it, but they've reconciled, mm-hmm. and which is great. Um, and we will dismiss the entire case. The, the only bad news to that is, well, you don't get the money back you spend on the lawyers. Yeah. But you know what? Saving your marriage is invaluable. Um, and I would hope that that couple would have went on to see counselors for themselves and a couple's counselor to understand why they even got to that place in the first place. So I want to focus a little bit. Whenever the one party files for divorce, the other party has to respond. Can you, for the audience, I'm a little familiar with the whole process because like I said, I went through divorce myself, but for the audience, can you walk us through like the first steps, who files for divorce and what happens? Yeah. So I... People don't realize a divorce is a lawsuit, mm-hmm. just like if I was suing somebody because they breached a contract. It takes one party deciding they want to file for divorce. Mm-hmm. Again, that's a decision that I can't make for them. They have to make it for themselves. I just have the paperwork ready, and I will file it when they tell me to. And I always make the client sign the divorce petition, the divorce lawsuit, because that's their choice that they are the one filing it. So I get it filed. It has to be served on the other spouse. Generally speaking, it's going to be served by a process server or a sheriff that just knocks on the door and says you've been served with papers. Uh, that party then has a certain amount of time to respond to the lawsuit. What is it, like 30 days? Uh, it's 20 days. 20? From the date of service. And then they also have the opportunity to file their own counter lawsuit for everything they want in a perfect world. Uh, and then at that point, you know, nothing really happens fast in family law unless it's an emergency. Um, and very rarely is there an emergency in family law, um, legally speaking. Mm-hmm. I mean, people might think something is, is an emergency or an urgent situation, but it's not. Um, so at that point, both parties have a lot of homework to do. We have full disclosure of finances, bank statements, credit card statements, investment accounts. We mm-hmm. pretty much know what everybody's doing with their money. And then each case is different with how we proceed from there. Um, before a judge will decide the party's fate at the end of the day, which is what many, 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 many months away, the parties have to attend mediation. Mm-hmm. Uh, a mediator is a neutral third party that we hire to help facilitate uh, a settlement amongst the parties. So uh, the party A will be in a room with their attorney and party B will be in a room with his or her attorney and the mediator will go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with offers and Mm -hmm. uh, that sort of thing and counter offers and hopefully facilitate both parties deciding to reach an agreement on all issues. You can have an agreement on a few issues, um, or you can have an agreement on all the issues, hopefully all the issues. Uh, If there is a full resolution, then it's drafted right there. All the parties, including the attorneys, sign it. It is a binding contract. Mm -hmm. Uh, It merely needs judicial approval, um, you know, the rubber stamp of approval, which more often than not, it's always approved by Mm -hmm. the judge. But if you don't respond to that uh, after being served? If the, once the lawsuit's filed and served on the other party and the other party doesn't respond, then uh, we call it a default. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a procedural mechanism in which we say, okay, you had your opportunity to respond, party B, you did not. 
we're now defaulting you and pretty much party A will win based on a technicality. I see. And I use the term win loosely because, like I said, there's no winners or losers in family law. But for all intents and purposes, you will win based on a technicality that the other party, although being noticed, did not appear. Did not approve. Gotcha. And they have 20 days, which that's that's not a lot of days either, I would say, though. Because if it was like 30 to 60 days, because the other party sometimes has to get an attorney, too. That's correct. And, and fortunately, you know, we are very fortunate up here in the Duval County area as opposed to the rest of the state with lawyers. And what I mean by that is all the lawyers around the state are great, but we have a real down-to-earth, congenial group of attorneys here. Mm -hmm. We are not cutthroat at all. We are very easy to work with more often than not. We aren't going to just file stuff just to be overly aggressive. We are of the mindset up here in Northeast Florida that we can just call the other attorney on the phone and have an informal conversation. So let's say that the party being served mm -hmm. is time crunched. I have a consult like this this week. They're coming in and their 20 days is up mm -hmm. in a couple days time. I might be too busy as a lawyer to get a response out by day 20, mm -hmm. even though my client has hired me. I can just call the other attorney and more often than not, I can just say, um, counselor, I know the 20 days is up. I just got hired. Can you give me a week or two? I see. So, and 99.9% .9 of the time, the other attorney is going to say, sure, that's fine. I'll talk to you soon. That, so, that's good. Yes, it's very, very, very good. It, it, it's very good to have an attorney on the other side you work well with. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure it's, you've been in the field for forever, so I'm sure you know the attorneys around. You know, you guys have a professional relationship with everybody, so it's just to pick up of a call. Uh, there's a lot I haven't worked with. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of names that I'll see that, that, that you know, are new to me, mm -hmm. or I know the name, I've just never worked with them before. I but, see. you know, Jacksonville's a big little city, we call it. And <laughs> in the family law field, most of us all have worked together over and over and over again. Now, there's a few, though, that give me a headache all the time to work with, but more often than not, most all of the attorneys, um, I enjoy uh, working with them. Gotcha. Um, one for, before we jump to the final question, and I feel like all this information is great for the audience too, because not a lot of people are educated when it comes to the, the marriage contract, when it comes to divorces, when it comes to like what causes it. Uh, I know people are scared nowadays to get married because it's like, well, every marriage ends in divorce. It's like two out of, you know, 50% chance. Um, so thank you again for all that. Absolutely. Um, as a person went through a divorce, I, I feel like I would have needed this before I even got married just because you get educated for something you're signing up yourself for. Like I said, it's a contract. Mm -hmm. But like a lot of, of us are want to sign that contract without knowing the terms and conditions. And right. then we are stuck in a situation that we have to go through a lawsuit technically. Right. Uh, another point that I do want to touch though is prenups. Uh, I guess coming from an Albanian culture, uh, prenups is a taboo. It's something that it doesn't even cross our mind mm -hmm. most of the time. Um, but it, it, I feel like even in America, it's still a little bit, but not as much as getting more popular. But what would you say are some pros and cons of having a prenup? Um, there is still a taboo a little bit associated with the idea of a prenup. It's mm -hmm. just not sexy. People think of it as, oh, I am contracting and planning for my divorce yeah it just doesn't sound right and it's not necessarily that I think that's probably the biggest con is the taboo of it and another con would be you know they're they're not inexpensive to do because you're now both parties are hiring lawyers to come yeah. up with this one contract 
Um, I feel like the pros far outweigh the cons. The pro would be that we all have full financial disclosure prior to getting married. So instead of wondering, you know, what accounts your spouse has and just taking them at their word, you now know what accounts and how much money either spouse has. So there's full financial disclosure. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it can help ease the spouse, uh, spouses through their marriage. Um, you know, you can contract that neither party will have alimony of any kind in a dissolution of marriage. There's exceptions to every rule, but you mm-hmm. can contract that nobody's getting alimony in the event we divorce. Maybe that gives one party in a um, higher income level peace of mind, knowing that they'll never have that issue if there is a divorce. Um, one thing you can put in a contract, but you know it's going to still take court approval, mm-hmm. is you can't pre-contract what to do with your children. I see. Especially if they're not born yet. So you can't pre-contract, oh, you're automatically going to get these overnights, yada, yada, yada. That's still going to take uh, court approval um, because, you know, sometimes the parents won't make proper decisions for their children, and there's something called the best interest standard that the court um, can overrule what the parents want to do with their children because it's not the best interest of the children. You can't pre-contract child support. Okay. Um, reason being is child support is all based on the amount of overnights and incomes at the time. All the changes. And all of that. So there could be a lot of changes. But more often than not, the prenup's solely going to focus on what to do with certain accounts that parties had before they got married, what to do with the idea of uh, alimony, mm-hmm. maybe what to do with certain real estate holdings that a party has that they want to keep. Yeah. And ensure that the other party is not going to have a claim to. And what to do with maybe certain um, inheritance claims or something like that. But a prenup is still a contract. So can it be canceled or voided? Like if both parties, like years down the road, they decide to just cancel the prenup that they had at some point? Can yeah. they do that? Absolutely. They would just have to do it in writing. And both parties have, both would parties have to would sign. Both parties would sign it do it in writing. And there, there's a certain... Um, uh, format that mm-hmm. uh, prenups have to comply with because it is a contract uh, and all of that sort of thing. And you and can parties, do like adjustments too. Yeah, I was just going to say parties can modify it. Yeah. Just and that would be just you know an addendum to it, um, and they would have to do it in writing again. Mm-hmm. You can also do a postnuptial agreement. Let's say you never had a prenup. Yeah. And during the marriage, y'all decide y'all want to do the contract then. Well, it's the same idea. It's just. Now it's called a postnuptial agreement. Mm-hmm. So it's all just a, a contract the parties are entering into with full financial disclosure. It's good practice that both parties have a lawyer as well. How do you? But how do you have that critical critical conversation with other party? Because I'd say it's critical because it can trigger stuff for the uh, for the other party. Like let's say if I'm getting married and I want to get a prenup, but the other party doesn't want to have one. Um, I would first, um, if you're seeing a counselor, I would heed the advice with maybe the, uh, what the counselor might tell you to state. You mm-hmm. never want to come across aggressive in a conversation like that. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's conversations like that are scary, but you know, honesty is always the best policy and that should be a conversation that you have early in the relationship and what I mean by that is you know I wouldn't advise a couple getting engaged and getting close to the wedding planning and then springing that concept on Mm -hmm. the other party I think that that's a 
conversation to have when the couple just starts to talk about the idea of marriage. I see. Because, yeah, if you think about it, it is a partnership. It's a contract that you're signing yourself up for, and it's a business. Mm-hmm. It's just a business called family. Yeah, exactly. And it can it can file bankrupt, <laughs> or it can last long term. So I, I think a prenup would be a very great idea, especially to have the peace of mind that you're protected for what you've worked yourself hard for. Yeah. Unless you decide to give it away, that's a different topic. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, no one knows what, what the future holds. You might not have a lot of assets right now when you do the prenup, but, mm-hmm. you know, you can grow in your profession and make a lot more money and whatnot, and you've already um, predetermined what happens in the event a divorce uh, uh, comes about, and you know that, okay, well, at least I know there's not an alimony issue or that sort of thing. I see. Again, in, in the law, you can attack a contract, so in mm-hmm. the event a divorce arises, even with a prenup, there could be exceptions to every rule, and you can attack the validity of the entire contract or pieces of the contract but each situation is going to be different, mm-hmm. and that would be up to the the lawyer to advise the client on. Perfect. And then, Aaron, uh, like I did mention at the beginning of our interview, you helped my family run through a real estate issue with a landlord at the time. This mm-hmm. was like back in 2010, 2011. Oh, goodness. That was well probably that in was my well early back. years of practice. Yes. Yes, it was well. I don't even do much landlord tenant anymore. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I remember, like I stated earlier, that it was just a big issue with them, with like the landlord. They could not fix the house, and I remember mm-hmm. you were just like you're like I got oh, well, we got you. you guys. Uh, we'll be covered. And like I said, I live in Jacksonville now for four years. So if I have an attorney, mm-hmm. even like we talked a while back, um, I had another issue that I needed advice for. So I contacted. I was like, who do I know in Jacksonville? I was like, Aaron. I was like, I like him. He's really professional. He's really great. Thank you. So if anybody wants to get a hold of you for consulting or if they have a question and want, they want a representation, where can they find you at? Oh, absolutely. And thank you for the accolade. I appreciate that. Um, you know, we pride ourselves on the word integrity here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I hope people always um, think that when they come to see me or come see my business partner. Uh, we're one of the few firms that does free consultations. Uh, not many do that in town anymore. Yes. But for those that are interested in a free consultation, they can go to our website. Mm-hmm. It's www.integritylawjax.com. And um, there's a free consultation button that people can click on to request a consult. And our number is 904-224-2100. So we're always happy to help serve people and try to help them in their legal needs. Awesome. That's awesome that you guys do the free consultation so mm-hmm. you can get at least a little bit more information and know exactly what you're signing yourself up. Plus, it lets you create that bond with the Absolutely. with your representation before you sign um, for something. And, you know, I tell people in, in consultations that, you know, I'm not a car salesman. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not here to try to pressure you to hire me today. You're here just for a free consult. Um, you know, it's a two-way interview. Yeah. The The client-to-be, if you will, is interviewing me to see if they like me. Yeah. And secondarily, I'm interviewing them to see if I want, that's a case that I want to take on. And, um, you know, um, even if it's a good case, if there's a personality clash, Mm -hmm. then, you know, that's something I'm looking at as well. I see. Um, So it's a two-way interview uh, and a consult. But it never hurts to come get free legal advice. Yeah. And um, um, if we can help someone in any way, we look forward to um, assisting them. That's awesome. I'll go ahead and share you guys' information there, too. I know we have a lot of Florida residents that listen to our podcast. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then my very last question, I'm always intrigued because everybody has different answers to this. What is your definition of success? Oh, 
no matter what your field is, uh, whether it's a vocation or a profession, I don't think it matters what sort of, you know, degrees you have, if any. I think that success can be defined as just being genuine and authentic and just being kind. Which, unfortunately, that's something that not ever, you know, it's not... not yeah, it's trying for a lot of people, but yeah, just be your most genuine and authentic self uh, and just be kind to people. And I like you will that. be successful no matter what you do. I like that. Just be kind to people and just be genuine. Like That goes back to the basics of being a human. Exactly. Which a lot of people forget sometimes, unfortunately. Exactly. Awesome. Well, Erin, it was a pleasure for the interview. Thank you so much, and thank you again for accepting my invitation. Is there anything else that you would like to uh, add to the podcast? I don't believe so. Just thank you very much for having me. I um, look forward to hearing the podcast, and um, I look forward to listening to more of yours. Absolutely. And then for all you listeners out there, if you do want to hear great interviews like this one today, don't forget, every Tuesday we have interviews with professionals of different careers. If you guys have a great rest of the day, and if you do need law representation, go ahead and click on the link, and we'll take you right to Aaron's website. Have a great one, guys.